Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode, and honestly, one of my favorite episodes to record of the Roman's Empire podcast, because all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about Tottenham. Uh, it is my absolute pleasure to do so, and here to join me is Andres. No Psalm this week. He's busy being a lawyer. He's also having some, uh, some, some issues at his apartment, so... He will not be with us tonight, but Andres is, and uh, dude, you look like you're ready to talk a lot of shit. <laughs> I I mean, we unfortunately haven't recorded in a while, so there's been a lot of stuff that's happened in the past seven days, so I am yeah. ready to talk some Chelsea, but also quick shout out to the show Cobra Kai. I binge watched four seasons of this show in the past week. I like stayed up till close to 3 a.m., at some point this week because I told myself I just need to finish it now so I can go back to being a normal human being. So yeah, shout out to Cobra Kai. What a show. Yeah. I, I haven't gone down that rabbit hole and I'm surprised I haven't because I loved karate kid when I was, when I was growing up. Um, let's just kind of get into it, dude. Um, so obviously you mentioned it last time we recorded, it was a while ago. Um, I think it was before the first leg of the Spurs match. Um, so if you've been living under a rock, we did beat Tottenham in the first leg. It was nice 2-0, comfortable. And then we played Chesterfield, um, and we beat them uh, 5-1. Uh, Chesterfield did manage to score more goals against us than Tottenham. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, and Tottenham also had 180 minutes to do it. Chesterfield only had 90. Just throwing that out there, too. At the um, bridge as well. At the bridge as well. And they even had a chance uh, at their home ground. And I'm using like my finger quotes because if you've seen the if you've seen the videos online of the Chelsea fans singing at the Tottenham fans, it's actually hilarious. And at one point they were even singing Antonio Conte's name, which I thought was one of the funniest things ever because uh, we have more of a right to sing their current manager's name <laughs> than they do. Um, but anyways, Carabao Cup second leg, Chelsea walk away victors one nil. Um, and we finally book our trip to Wembley after defeating Spurs. It was 3-0 on aggregate in total. Um, at CFC, Ronnie has some uh, some valid input here. 34 finals since 2003. Just imagine not being Chelsea, Andres. Oof, and, and to add to that, um, I believe this is now the ninth semifinal appearance for Thomas Tuchel as a manager, and he's undefeated in semifinals, so... Imagine not having his, Thomas Tuchel. <laughs> it could be his third trophy. Um, he's, he's made it to every final uh, so far as Chelsea manager that he's had the chance to participate in. It kind of tells you everything you need to know about the man. Um, I mean, speaking of the devil, uh, he did switch it up on us. We've been running a 4-2-2-2 or 4 triple 2 Or for, um, for you people that don't want to get super technical, a 4-4-2. Starting in goal, we had Keppa. Obviously, Mendy's at AFCON right now. Uh, Malang Sar, surprisingly, starting as a left back. Uh, Dave on the right. AC and Rudiger in the middle. Uh, midfield duo of Kovacic and Jorginho. Uh, Cho and Mason Mount were pushed out wide. Um, I guess you could kind of call them attacking mids or attacking tens. Mm -hmm. um, they're not necessarily left and right traditional midfielders in that sense. Um, and then Timo Werner and Lukaku as partners up top. So, 
I mean, not not too many surprises besides I don't want to say the Milan Sar inclusion, but maybe starting him as an out and out left back. Um, other than that, Andres, I mean, what, what what did you think? I thought the the statement was pretty clear. We're here to win, even though we had a two goal lead. That's a pretty strong uh, lineup to go with leading into City this weekend and a short week after Chesterfield, even though there was that was a much rotated side. But yeah, the the you see that team sheet and you know what that means. Tuchel meant business and uh, wasn't the prettiest match, but we got the result. So professional 1-0 win. Uh, I believe we were good on injuries and yellow cards. So, yeah. You're muted, Zach. Oop, there we go. I'm getting <laughs> used to this whole hosting thing. This is why we need song. Um <laughs> I said, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I was uh, surprised to see Timo start because, you know, if you're a Tottenham fan, that's probably the player you want to see starting up front for Chelsea if you have to make a comeback uh, via aggregate. <laughs> so uh, anyway, subtle shots at Timo there. Um, the 4 triple 2 Andres, I mean, we've, we've deployed it in a few matches now, um, both legs against Tottenham. Um, you know, I guess the main difference that you can tell uh, for the casual viewer is that the fullbacks are definitely playing in a more traditional role. They still they still tend to roam forward, but they're fullbacks, not wingbacks. Um, so I mentioned it before. We did have Cho and Mason Mount that were uh, pushed out wide. And again, I'm not saying left and right mid because to me, this looked more like they were number 10s um, that were just kind of able to float around anywhere they wanted to. And then. Um, you know, I, I took shots at Timo. I, obviously, that's tongue-in-cheek. I am rooting for the guy. But him and Lukaku started up top. Um, I know I have a lot to say about it. But before I kind of get into it, Andres, just kind of going through everything I just mentioned, what did you think? I mean, is this is, is this something that you want to see stick around for a while? or? I mean, in terms of the formation, yes. Um, you mentioned the fullbacks. I think... One of the fullbacks has way more license to roam than the other, that being the left back during the first leg. That was Marcus Alonso. During this leg, it was Malang Sar. Um, in terms of Timo and, and Rom partnership, in the first match, it was Kai and Lukaku, and then Kai got hurt. But in that first half, I thought that was a very good partnership. Uh, with Timo instead of Kai here, it becomes a little bit more one-dimensional and where you know that Timo's only useful getting in behind. And even then, the guy doesn't really know what to do in a 1v1 situation. He kind of just goes brain-dead a little bit. Kai is a little bit more flashy in that where he can beat a guy on the dribble or or find a sneaky pass. But, I mean, this the thing that this formation has, has done for these guys is that the, the amount of chances are there. We're creating tons and tons of chances, but... <laughs> There, there's obviously still a, a work in progress sort of relationship with Timo and, and Rom here. Timo makes the run and then there's there seems to be a huge gap between the two of them or the final ball never gets to Lukaku or, you know, both of them aren't the most skilled with their touch right now. So, again, I just think the partnership, could it work? Sure. In theory, it should. You have the smaller guy that's quick and then the guy that you work with in the one twos and, and you set up with the final ball. But Again, Timo is kind of just coming back from COVID and is rusty. Lukaku is also rusty. Um, so, yeah, I think it looked a lot better with Kai next to him. But I think eventually 
we will benefit as a team, especially the strikers from this formation. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you. I mean, I got a little I got a little frustrated watching uh, Lukaku and Timo in particular. But before I kind of get into them, I mean, the rest of the team looked pretty fluid. Um, I think we're going to have some issues defending. I noticed a couple of times that Cho forgot to track back. He just kind of went brain dead. Um, you know, we don't really have to worry about that with Mason Mount, but that's something that I think those cams or those outside tens really need to keep in mind is there's not as much protection now. So you do have to come back defensively. you got to put in the hard yards. Those guys are probably going to get subbed every single match if they're doing their job properly. Um, probably going to be the two hardest working players on the pitch because they're literally providing almost all the width. Um, but other than that, you know, Timo and Lukaku was frustrating, I thought. Um, in particular, Rom. I mean, I guess I'll just kind of start with him. Um, you know, it, it, it's not just this match. It kind of goes back to the whole Chesterfield match um, where, like, I know he got his goal, but we played a National League side and he was he was he was hardly a standout. And, you know, this is after his stupid ass comments and after his apology where he came out and said something along the lines of it's up to me to change the narrative now. And then he comes out and plays like shit. And no, I'm not nitpicking on Rom just because, you know, he's the talk of the town right now. It's watch his game. Watch this game. He lost the ball almost. <laughs> it, it was consistently losing the ball. I don't want to say every single time because it's not true, but he kept trying to flick it around a defender and trying to beat him for pace, taking people off of the dribble. But the problem is when you have a heavy first touch, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily work out. Um, and, and and that was the struggle here with Rom. It looked like he's trying to force it. And, you know, my issue is that the body language looks a little off. It looks a little different to me. It looks more like the ROM from Man United, and 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 like maybe I'm being harsh here, but you know, I'm waiting for the hundred million pound striker to show up again. We saw him in flashes before, you know, he went down with his injury and then the whole COVID situation. But where is he? He should be the best player on the pitch every single time. And granted, this is a team that does nothing but create chances and not score them. So th it is literally tailor made for you to come in here and be a hero for this team. And I just haven't seen that. And yes, I am still pissed off at him for the stupid comments. Um, and I did say the only way he can get over it is by playing well and scoring a lot of goals. He scored one goal against Chesterfield. Um, <laughs> and I know he only, you know, had one match against Spurs to score and, and, and didn't, but at least have a fucking impact on the game. And I just didn't see that. Um, at times, I almost forgot he was even on the pitch. And Timo's just another story. I mean, we all know my feelings towards him. I've said it on the podcast before. I'm rooting for the guy. He's wearing a Chelsea shirt. This goes for both players. You know, I want them to do well for the club. Um, but when you see them get selected time and time again over players that maybe could provide more, not only on the stat sheet, but maybe could provide more to Lukaku, um, it gets frustrating, you know. I'm not going to sit here and have anybody tell me that Kai Havertz, Ziyech, or Pulisic wouldn't have been a better combination up there with Lukaku. Um, you know, all these guys have done it in big matches. Kai in the Champions League, Ziyech in the Champions League for Ajax, and also 
In the FA Cup for Chelsea, let's not forget he scored a goal at Wembley. Christian Pulisic just scored an important goal against Liverpool. These guys do it in the big games. And like, yes, I applaud Timo's work rate and his commitment and whatnot. But at some point, it's just not enough as a forward player. You got to start creating and you got to start scoring goals. And not against Chesterfield, not against these shitty teams. I'm talking about the big boys. We haven't seen it. And that's the most frustrating thing here. And that goes for both of them. Andres, calm me down a little bit. Talk some sense into yeah. my into my logic. <laughs> so so yeah, I mean Lukaku wasn't great. I think he was the crap. new system. He I think the new system great. is like because it's so fluid. I noticed it was easy for the strikers to get pulled wide, and that's mm. where Lukaku needs to remind himself what he is. He is a finisher. He is the guy that's receiving the final ball to put it away. The flashes of this game where he was good, he was central. He dribbled, he turned and bodied a defender and rocketed at the, the ball at the keeper, and the keeper made a lucky reaction save because that was an absolute cannon of a shot. But in the first match against uh, Spurs, same thing. There was times where, why is Lukaku running down the sideline? That should not be where he's at. And, and the times where he was dangerous is where he realized, oh, Ziyech has the ball. Let me run towards the middle and drift back post and so on and so forth. And in my one criticism, because, again, he'll get better with the formation if we decide to go this route. Uh, against against Chesterfield, it just felt like he was forcing a little, a little bit because he knew the goal was there. He scored once and then he got like three, four shots blocked. But here, against Spurs, over two matches, there was – Two specific chances where the ball comes in the air and instead of just getting a power header and just blasting it towards goal, he tried to doing like the little last minute mid switch direction flick and it just hasn't happened. And, and I think like, OK, if you're now over for three in those, why not just get your forehead and change the direction of the path of the ball altogether instead of just deflecting it a little bit? You know, try something else. Um, I think. In this match, it didn't help him that because Lukaku was more of our right striker. I didn't think Mount had his best game in the 4-2-2-2 this time around. He was far more uh, successful playing in the left side than the right side. I know you're accommodating for Cho, but it was very obvious that Mount wasn't as comfortable for some reason, even though when we play the 3-4-3, he <laughs> seems to be more comfortable, you know, or not more, but he seems to be equally comfortable on either side. Uh, again, I think, sure, Lukaku still hasn't given us everything. But I think it, it's, again, we're, we're, we just jumped into these formations in between. I mean, this, this, these two matches, the Spurs are sandwiched in a five-match, five two-week stretch. So we'll see if we go again with the 4-2-2-2 against City. Uh, and hopefully Lukaku stays a little bit more central. I think that's that's the big thing he needs to do. He needs to be in the middle of the pitch. Again, when we have the ball, it sometimes looks like a 3-4-3. Three, three. Like he should not be the forward. If one striker is going to be getting pulled wide, it should not be Lukaku. He is dangerous in the box with his movement, in the box where he can body people, jump over people. That's where he needs to be. And he needs to forget, like, no, you're not going to beat this isn't Italy anymore. And and Timo has even made these comments. Our center backs in the Premier League are fast and strong enough to keep up with the fastest or the strongest people. You're not going to beat them just turning them around. So I think that's an, an adjustment that can be made uh, just to play devil's advocate with you, Zach, because I honestly didn't think Lukaku was great either. 
but I think it's something that can get fixed. I hate it when you talk logic because it takes <laughs> all the emotion out of my argument out. But no, I mean, it's basically, you know, it. he, he sucked. I mean, <laughs> I, I just, I just want, uh, if, if we're going to pay, you know, triple digits for somebody, they need to show up every single match. There's no excuses. Like, like you're going to hold them to that standard. That's, it is what it is. It's Chelsea football club. Mm-hmm. Um, no other way around it really. And, and and the same thing for Timo, you know, I know we paid a fraction of Lukaku's price, but look at the amount of frustration that people have towards Timo like me. And he only cost 35 million or however much it was 35 yeah. or four, something like that. And Lukaku is three times as much. So yeah. Um, anyways, I know we kind of got forced into this formation or Tuchel mentioned it. Uh, I think it was before the first Spurs match where they said, oh, back four. And he said, yeah, we only have four healthy defenders. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't really play anything else. So, yeah, I mean, we, we were kind of shoehorned into this situation. Um, but is it the way forward, Andres? I know you've mentioned it before on the pod. Um, you've talked about how you think a back four is eventually the way forward. So two parts to this question. One, is this just the next phase in a transformation, the four triple two, or is this something that Tuchel's going to try and make not necessarily a mainstay, but one of our main formations like the three, four, three has become. Yeah. Uh, I really hope that it's something we're going to see more often in general. I think we, you know, Going into the season, we thought, okay, our defense is our strength and depth. But when you play a back three, then the depth kind of gets minimalized. And then our true depth comes from our attackers. You mentioned earlier, we didn't see Kai, Ziyech, or or Christian Pulisic start in this match. Those are the guys that you need to accommodate for. Our defense on paper is good enough to hold their own and – especially when you have someone like N'Golo Conte in front of them. So for me, playing the back four, we are solid enough to defend with back four. You add an extra body up front, and you allow these offensive players to do what they do best. You mentioned Cho looked good. We I mentioned that in the first leg, Kai looked better playing central next to another striker. Mount looked great in the left mid. Ziyech looked like the Ziyech that was balling out during Lampard's 4-3-3 in this formation. I mean, Saul in a double pivot in this formation was a man of the match in the first leg. Uh, Kovacic has been fantastic this season. He came back in today and he looked great. But it's fluid. It's offensive. The, the chances that we're creating are far more clear. They There seems to be a pattern on how we're creating chances. It's not throwing shit at a wall and see what sticks, which sometimes happens in the 3-4-3 where everything is so sort of predictable and uh, limited. Here mm-hmm. you have overlapping runs. You allow someone like Cho to not just pay to the wing back wide, but he can go wide and dribble at people and then cross it from the byline. It, it feels far more fluid in the attack and – That's what makes teams like Liverpool and City so successful in the Premier League. When you sit and play a team that's just going to park the bus, you need to create confusion. And the way you do that is with overlapping runs, switching positions. And I think this this, uh, formation allows it. And I think 
no, this isn't something that only happens because Reese James and, and Ben Chilwell are hurt. On the contrary, I think it'll be even more fluid when those two guys come back because then we're not just going to have a free-throwing left back. But on the right side, Reese, if he sees the space, can go up as well. So to me, I think the back four is the future. I think this season we'll still see a lot of the 3-4-3 because of how our squad is built. But I would not be surprised if going into the summer, the way that we attack the transfer market is to be able to kind of hybrid or or fluently switch before between a back three and a back four. I mean, I, I, I like, you know me, I've always been a supporter of the 3-4-3. I said, you know, when Conte came in, he was the one that kind of made it cool to play with a back three in the Premier League again. Yeah. Um and you know we want a chance. We 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 want we want a title off of it. Um, now Tuchel got some success from it. We want a Champions League using it. Well, why deviate? Um, you know I mentioned the injury situation before, and and it, it's it's looked pretty good. Like you said, Andres, it's very fluid. And I think the thing I like the most about it is just the general versatility of it. You know if we if we ever want to switch things up and just have a different look in general, we could always switch to a four three three with the same group of players. You know, you can switch to a 4-2-3-1 if you want to be a little bit more defensively solid. If you want to control the midfield, you throw another midfielder on, take a striker off, and go 4-5-1. You know, it, it, it's it's I think it's more versatile in that sense than the uh, than the 3-4-3 is. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be here for a while. I think we'll see it. Um, I know Tuchel used it a lot at PSG, and one of the tweaks that he used was actually using one of his center backs as a midfielder. He used Marquinhos as a midfielder. Um, so I'm not saying we're going to see that here, but it just kind of shows you his ability and willingness to adapt. So all's looking well as of right now, um, especially for Malang Sar, Andres. He was surprisingly good in this one. Um, we do have a first-time question, and forgive me for butchering this. I think it's Wilson for USA uh, asked Sar. A left back option. His attacking ability could use some help, but he looks like Conte when he was defending. There were times where he looked imperious, and I think what did that for him, Andres. Before you answer this, is the fact that he just got completely riled up by Spurs, and that Lo Celso was after him the whole entire game to try and get him carded or sent off. And and one of the first actions of the game, the ball goes out for a Chelsea corner. I think it was a corner or a goal kick, something like that down on their end of the pitch and Sar smashed the ball. Like he, he I think he went to hit it into the advertising board and it kind of hit the divot in the ground and bounced up into the crowd. And Lo had a word for him and Malang Sar just looked at him and smiled, like, like give him a really, you know, piece of shit looking smile. Right. Like, yeah, I know you saw that, didn't you bitch? And uh, Lo <laughs> was after him the whole entire match. So it was funny to see that he was, um, a complete shithouse. And I think that was my favorite part about it. But besides that, you know, going forward, not that great. But defensively, I mean, I don't even think he put a foot wrong, really. And, and he had and, to compensate for Cho's lack of tracking back for most of the match, too. And he's had to play now. He's played at the left center back position. He played at the middle center back against Chesterfield. Today he played left back, which he did a little bit at Nice two seasons ago. Um, I'm not sure how often he was deployed there at Porto. Uh, but the, the fact is that Milan Sar, much like how Trevor Chalaba in the summer forced his way into 
at least a squad place, he's doing it now. About 10 days ago, the the plan was to ship this guy out on loan. I think that he's turning heads and changing that. I'm not saying that he's going to be a starter by any means, but if the guy is is willing to be that option and you know rotate in and out of the side wherever he's needed, he gets the system. He's learning the physicality of the league. I, I mean, he's learning from Rudiger. There's, there's, like you said, there's a little bit of Rudiger in him, where the good and the bad, where he can be getting into players' heads psychologically, or he can go kind of crazy and and do some slide tackles that you probably don't want to see your center back do all the time. But the guy is getting it. He gets the physicality of the league. He's simplifying a little bit of his passing, and and like Wilson said, I mean. He'll he'll eventually get used to the offensive part. And honestly, you're not putting Myling Sar there to get you 13 assists. He is his job is to defend. He is not a Andy Robertson. He is not an Alonzo who's going to score you goals. His job is to defend, and he did a good job today. He is literally a center back playing left back. That's it. He's not a left back. Um but yeah, I mean, he looked good. I, I I think this is the only way I really trust him, Andres. I don't think I trust him necessarily playing in a back four if he's going to be one of the center backs in an important mm-hmm. league match, for example. But for him to slot in on the left-hand side to give somebody some rest, or here's a thought. Um, it's a Mourinho thought, but bring him on late in games just to shore things up on the left-hand side. And then maybe you can bring him on and switch to possibly a back three. Or if you want to stay with that traditional back four, you just leave him with the center backs and tell him yeah. stay where you are and don't let them score. And I think that'll be useful for us. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, if, if Alonzo, you would think Alonzo is going to start this weekend. There, that's the only reason Alonzo doesn't play here today. Yeah. Alonzo plays well against city. Zero chance. Alonzo finishes those 90 minutes and who's going to come on for him. If we're so. chasing the game, probably someone else. If we've got the result in hand, it's going to be Malang Sar. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and I'm all for it. I like that. Um, Mentioned Rudiger. Uh, we did have a man of the match pool um, on Twitter this week. Um, and it was close, but Rudiger did edge Keppa um, to win man of the match for this match. And I think he won it officially as well. Yeah, he won the official Carabao Cup man of the match. Um, I mean, we're going to pretend like that unnecessary challenge on Hoiberg never happened. Um, and by the way, fuck you, Spurs. I went on... Uh, I went on youtube to see you know just to like hear some post-match reaction um right after the match and the spurs account posted a video uh it's a 10 minute youtube clip of you know the highlights and whatnot and says var takes away two penalties from spurs i what mean penalties they on taking, paper they did but what that's paper, because that's the correct decision <laughs> what penalties andres what penalties the one where hoiberg gets fouled outside of the box and then trips, and then over trips his, on his own leg it's himself in the box or the one where Keppa makes a brilliant sweeper keeper save that oh, that yeah. is clearly like there, it is clear that Keppa makes contact with the ball a good half second before he makes contact with the defender and the ref still somehow calls a foul um anyways fuck you Spurs for just being sore losers and com- and also bless you for being completely allergic to winning trophies no, i mean that, uh, that, that goes hand in hand right like yeah if, if chelsea loses in a semi-final they're not going to be looking 
and and blaming correct decisions they'll look inward and be like well we didn't win today spurs is over here like oh we got unlucky guys the var stole our our win it's like you wonder why you don't win trophies well that's what the admin's saying and then you have antonio conte on the flip side saying i didn't realize how bad this group of players (laughs) were until i started training them (laughs) and then you know you have a just a, te- a team that just played like shit. How about that? How about you look at yourselves in the mirror and say, we're not good enough. We didn't play well enough. And that's it. Why Why do you leave it? Like you lost three nil on aggregate. It wasn't a one goal, you know, really close fought tie. It was bullshit. It was a three goal romping. Probably should have been more, especially in the first game could have been three or four. Come on, man. Fuck you, Spurs. Anyways, let's continue. Uh, the theme of fuck you, Spurs, would always continue when you mentioned Rudiger's name after. Probably the last person Spurs fans and Antonio Conte wanted to see score against him. One of Conte's signature signings. Um, obviously, there's a lot of love for Conte there uh, from Rudiger. He did have a goal on day, like I said. 92 passes completed on 97% completion. Three aerial duels won. Three interceptions. Five ball recoveries. One hilarious dance in front of the Spurs fans. Why not pay the man, Andres? Do we agree? Like, is Twitter right in this sense? Did he really deserve the man of the match? I think we. I think I know what you're gonna say, but. Yeah, I mean, I think so. He scored. Nobody else did, and and it it wasn't just that he. he as a defender, as long as you make your presence felt in a good way, obviously he could have been on the negative side of things with that dumb tackle but that's rudiger for you i mean the stats you you went through the stats right like the guy was near perfect with his passes he did his job getting the ball back and he scored i mean he that header is one of those where some people might back off when they see the keeper come in he just threw his body out there and he scored with the with his back it wasn't even his head then in the post-match interview he's like you know i just put myself in the correct position and and good things happen. Uh, you work hard to get into those positions and I'm glad the ball went in. Uh, he just threw his body where the ball was going. And again, good things happen when you do the right thing. So for me, yeah, he was the man of the match. I don't think anyone, anybody else in that starting 11 goes kind of kamikaze on that cross and, and earns himself that goal. Yeah. I love the celebration. He was like huffing and puffing. He was doing, he's so, dude, he is so funny. When (laughs) adrenaline hits his, when adrenaline flows into his veins and his endorphins are released, something happens to the man where he (laughs) just goes completely mental. Berserk. Yeah. And it's, it's awesome to see. He went Uh, from like mean mugging the fans and like puffing his chest to then like, he he did like a little handshake and then some dance moves with Kovacic on the way back to the halfway line. I was just like, This man just went through a whole range of emotions. Yeah. I mean, this is the guy that was rapping a Millie after uh, winning the Champions League final, remember? <laughs> um, anyways, I mentioned Keppa earlier. Um, every time I mention Keppa now, I feel like I have to apologize for the things I said about him in the past. <laughs> but another another really good performance from Amandres. Every time he plays, I get more and more confident in him. This is another clean sheet against Spurs for Keppa. Make that two in the last week. He only had to make three saves, but they were very, very good saves, mind you. 
Um, and uh, two times he had to come out and be a sweeper keeper. Zero mistakes on a day. He did not give up a penalty, despite what Spurs fans want to think. But now that Mindy's off the AFCON, Andres, are you in the same boat as me? I mean, is this – we're completely comfortable with him, you know, kind of running things back there for the time being, right? Yeah, I mean, he's got confidence right now. He is commanding. He is uh, aggressive in his box. He is confident on the ball with his passing. I mean, the player is on form, and that's exactly what we were hoping for going into this period. Um, we haven't had teams try the the distance shots on him. I think there was only one time where in this match somebody tried it, and they were kind of close. But, I mean, he had a good save on – who had that close-range header where he didn't Emerson have – like, yeah, Emerson Royal. He had like two, three chances with that header. All I could think of was like a season or two ago, that's that's going through like his floppy hands. You know, yeah. he used to be the guy that the, he gets there, but then his hands aren't strong enough. And, and there he is making that clutch save. I think, again, there's there's an air of confidence here. I don't know if he's playing for that rumored Lazio move because we're not selling him in January. But he has stated that he has a good relationship with Sarri. The links to Lazio aren't going away. So maybe he is, you know, he has a chip on his shoulder. And it it may not be Chelsea-oriented, but at the end of the day, we're benefiting from it. And mm-hmm. and that's a plus for us. I think if he keeps it up, I mean, he could potentially play himself back into the national team picture for Spain. I mean, not as a first-team keeper but or a first-string keeper, but definitely as a squad keeper like he was before. Wasn't he, he, he? At one point, he was ahead. He started of for a little bit. Yeah, he did. Uh, I think right now it's Unai Simon, and and again, Kepa would have to get a move to Lazio and ball out in the fall before the 2022 World Cup to to win that spot back. But again, you're right. He he can earn that that call up, and yeah. and that's more than he could have said months ago. Yeah, I think the main thing with him is that the motivation is keeping him going. You know, I, th- I think he definitely has that in the back of his head. The fact that he could be playing regular first team football next season and, you know, in Italy sounds like a nice prospect to him. But also the fact that he could get back into the Spanish national team picture in a World Cup year, it's going to be huge. So, you know, and I know these next couple matches in his head, at least he's not going to be thinking, OK, I'm just running the ship for the next month. He's thinking I'm going to play so damn well that when Mendy comes back, it's going to be hard for Tommy Tuchel to bench me. And that's exactly the mindset he should have. And that's exactly yeah. the mindset every Chelsea fan should want him to have. So, And, and there's a him. good chance. I mean, Mendy already has COVID right now because of his yeah. traveling. There, there's a chance that, you know, the AFCON ends and he's still not healthy. So, yeah, yeah Kepa needs to keep this up. I mean, at the end of the day, he's our cup keeper. So he is going to play in the final of this tournament. And I hope he does. Cup, and the FA Cup is going on as well. So we know Kepa's a penalty specialist. So he, you want him to be confident going into those uh, mm-hmm. situations if they come. So to me, I, I think we're in a good spot. It's funny because we, you know, since last time we recorded, my big worry was what are we going to do now? Our injury situation is awful. Like it was, it was chaos. And, and right now I'm feeling a little bit more confident again, I need to remind myself of my own words, though, because I'm the the first guy to say that we are built for cup competitions. This Chelsea side it endures the the player go home mentality, and and they're good about it. 
the league is a different story. So I hope that this cup form translates to the league now because, again, we're, we already t- put our ticket to the final. Liverpool and Arsenal still have to play two matches before getting there. We also have the Club World Cup coming on in February, and the Champions League then comes back in February too. So we can't just focus on the Cups because in between all those things, we still have a top four race and, and potentially a title race if if City starts slipping. So again, Kepa playing well is is very important for all four of the competitions I just mentioned. Yeah. Um, let's move on. Uh, we do have... <laughs> I don't want to say news, more more like a lack of news. Um, cricket's in a transfer window, as every Chelsea fan knows and is frustrated with. I honestly think football fans in general are frustrated with the January window. It's been very quiet just in general um, all across Europe. So we'll start off with the hot topic here. We've been seeing Emerson Palmieri's name uh, here, there, and everywhere the last few days. So just to give a little bit of clarity on the, on the situation – um emerson is open to the move um and no there isn't a recall clause that's why there are issues with the negotiations it means that chelsea have to fork out a fee or some sort of compensation to Lyon for them to give us emerson in return according to fabrizio romano chelsea have already offered around 3 million euros in compensation that was turned down um again the issue with them is that they don't have a backup left back that's ready-made. They'd have to find one in the market. Um, So if they lose Emerson, who's also, mind you, has been playing very well there um, and is very much liked, it's an issue. Um, I know they've been linked with Kurzawa recently, who's been kind of frozen out of that PSG squad. So that could potentially be a move to keep your eye on if you want to, you know, just kind of stay in this Emerson space for now. But until... Leon, it, it seems like, in my opinion, Andres, and maybe you can, I don't know if you can give more inside info, but maybe give your take. It seems like we're waiting for Leon to find the backup. And then at that point, we'll get the decision on Emerson. Because it it does look like they're pursuing one. Yeah, I, and it, it it comes down to that. Leon's not going to let Emerson go without a replacement. It sounds like they'll try for Kurzawa. My... My thing with this whole thing that I kind of find surprising is if they want Emerson that bad, they could trigger the buy option they have. And then there is no, you know, it's a done deal. So I'm a little confused as to if they want to keep him that bad, why not just plug that in? Because he is, according to like Opta Joe or Squawka, the, the best left back in, in league on this, this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, this whole left wing back situation just shows me that Chelsea were not expecting Chilwell to require surgery. They were stupidly optimistic in that end because January came and they didn't have a ready-made plan. They're now scrambling. So Mm -hmm. that's the big takeaway for me here is that they weren't listening or uh, to the possibility of the, the no return from Chilwell. And now, here we are. And I don't think this Emerson thing gets figured out in, in a day or two. I think this thing gets figured out in maybe two weeks. It's frustrating. Typical Chelsea. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, making a late move. Um, I know uh, our American fans are curious about Serginio Dust. Maybe some of our, um, you know, 
fans from other countries that aren't here, the U.S., are interested in this news, too. Um, he was left out of the Classico squad today in the Spanish Super Cup. Um, Chelsea are still being linked with him. However, there hasn't really been anything concrete that's been confirmed um, by any valid sources in terms of Chelsea's interest. Now, when you hear that Chelsea keeps tabs on players, they keep tabs on everybody. So you kind of take that with a grain of salt. Obviously, Andres, the big plus with going after a guy like him is that he could play on the left or the right-hand side. So it would kind of be like knocking out two birds with one stone if we were to get him. Um, anyways, um, we did recall Kennedy today. For those of you that thought uh, or that were wondering if he was still alive, he is. He was playing in Brazil, and he didn't have a very good season. So their season ended. We recalled him from his loan. And there is no plans for him to be our backup left back at Chelsea. I just want to get that out of the way. We're looking for another loan for him. Ian Matson, um, he was another name that was linked, potentially could come back to the squad and be, you know, some sort of backup on the left side. Um, there's still no word whether or not the club is considering a recall from him. If we haven't heard anything yet, it probably means that we want to keep him there. Everything that I've been reading, Andres, has been pointing out that he's been playing really well. So... If the loan's working for him, let him ride it out. I mean, he's developing. He's playing every single match. Let the boy stay. Um, to a many news, there is none. He's not going anywhere in January. Uh, Monaco <laughs> confirmed that. So that's not happening. Um, Tuchel uh, did mention, and this is big, that you know he is confident now that Rudiger can re-sign and stay at Chelsea. Um, Rudiger did mention uh, earlier that you know, the fans shouldn't look too much into the reports. When he makes his final decision, we will find out the day of. Um, so I guess that's kind of positive news here. I think what you mentioned last pod makes sense, Andres. If he was to go to Real or PSG or Bayern or any of those other clubs, it would have happened by now. There would have been a deal in place. Um, there have been links to Usman Dembele, to Chelsea on a free. Not too sure about how concrete that one is. Andres, do you have anything to add about that? Uh, there's there's links to to it that Tuchel is a big admirer, which is obvious. Tuchel is the guy that promoted him to the Dortmund side before he got sold mm. for an astronomical transfer fee. Uh, he is healthy-ish right now and playing well for Barcelona again. Um, in, in terms of the Rudiger thing, I think Dembele is going to be kind of on the same boat. I think players think that just because they're on a free that everyone's just going to throw cash at them. And I think both Rudiger and Dembele are in this sort of situation where they expect to be thrown a number close to 300 K a week, but other teams don't see them as this Galactico level signing. This isn't Holland walking on a free Mbappe walking on a free. These are guys that play in positions that talent is easy to find per se. Uh, you know, Rudiger is a center back. You can find a center back within your academy who fits your system, and then it's a cheap center back. Uh, so the same thing now for Dembele. His injury record is atrocious. Yes, at one point he was aiming to be a top 10 future player in the world, but he can't stay healthy. There's there's rumors of his uh, professionalism in, in terms of practice that just don't bode well. You think if that's the case, Andres? I want nothing to do with him. But but you think that Tuchel would be smart enough to know how to handle it? You know, Barcelona might have just kind of gotten his 
his head like too big for his own good and Tuchel can bring him back and be like, look, man, you're nothing. <laughs> well, the last time... Nobody wanted you. I'm bringing you here on a free for a reason. I'm just so going to point kinda... this. I'm just going to point this out. Okay. The last head case we had that worked out for us was Diego Costa. Yeah. Right. And the last head case we had that we heard about having these off-field issues and issues with money and just partying and all this and that was a complete disaster. And I thought I'd never say his name again, Bakayoko. So (laughs) it could go one of two ways with Dembele. Or you can take the route of, you know, his injury list will just keep getting longer and longer and longer when he comes here. I don't like this move at all. Because this isn't even a player that, if he is healthy, is going to get you 15 and 15 a season. He's not. He's not going to. He's not going to move the earth underneath him, because he, he can't stay on pitch long enough. So, so I, I I'll pitch you this kind of like dominoes fall into place sort of thing. I think we're going to be open to hearing a move away for for Werner. I think any Bundesliga side will throw at least 25, 30 mil for Werner. I think Armando Broja is 100% coming back. So there's your striker replacement for a second fiddle to, to Lukaku. And then you get Usman Dembele on a free who, again, we keep forcing Werner to play either off the striker or, or a wide player, and he doesn't know how to do that. Dembele is perfectly ambidextrous or whatever, however you want to say that about his feet. So he could play on both sides. He can take on players one-on-one. And Tuchel knows how to deploy him. So... If you're not bringing him to be the star boy and he's on a free, I'm okay with it. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't think he's like a priority. But he is—he is notoriously him and Gareth Bale are having a competition for most injured footballers. <laughs> and Dembele is five years younger than me. Um, anyways, I'm getting old, man. Uh, Dortmund's now a candidate for Andreas Christensen. That's something that's interesting that's popped up over the last few days. We know that Barcelona's been linked with him a lot. They've been longtime admirers of him. We know that. Uh, but now Dortmund kind of has their stake in it. So a long, long list of clubs after Andreas Christensen, and rightly so. I mean, he's a good center back. But again, it's it, the fact that we haven't renewed him yet is kind of annoying. Um we do play Man City at the weekend, Andres, this upcoming Saturday. It is an away match at the Etihad. Um, Man City first in the table, obviously 10 points ahead of Chelsea right now. They're pretty much, you know, running away with the title at this point. They've only conceded 13 goals all season. We're going into match week 22. Um, you know, a couple injuries or people that are going to be out for that game. You got John Stones coming off a knock. Phil Foden and Zinchenko had covid so not sure if they're going to be available or fit. Uh, Riyad Mahrez is at AFCON. So we're most likely going to see, you know, Sterling and Grealish, um, some variation of those guys um, playing up top. So ha- ha- first of all, how do we feel about this? Because lately City have just been smashing people. Um, and second, give me your prediction on the game. Uh, well... We match up well against City. There's something about how we line up that just gives them a, a tough time. Tuchel beat Pep three times last season in a half a season. So I think we have nothing to lose. They do. We are expected to lose this match. 
they're the ones that are trying to expand their gap. If we get one point even from this, it's it's a positive on paper. I think we we will match up well. I think that our defense, like Rudiger, Christensen, Aspie, they're built to to match up with these smaller forwards because I, I they don't have a striker. Uh, Aspie has pocketed Sterling consistently. Foden, I believe Christensen was the one that had him in his back pocket last time around. And our midfield pivot just gives them a tough time. And they have an extra man in midfield. I think Conte was rested on purpose going into this match. Uh, I think uh, Alonso is going to be matched up with probably Kyle Walker on the right. And and it's not so much that Alonso is going to beat him uh, by pace, but he's going to keep uh, Walker pinned back. So you understand that there's a threat with Cancelo on the left. But I think it's going to be a tight game. I, I really do. I think that we'll match up well. I think that we can get a result here. My prediction, though, is going to be a 1-1 draw. Uh, aside from how we match up, City is on fire. I can't take that away from them. But I don't think they walk right through us. I think it's going to be very much like that Liverpool matchup uh, earlier this past month. So I'm going 1-1. I'm getting a little bit of those vibes too. I think uh, I think with their COVID situation, um, Pep is going to want to pick the fittest team to play against us because those guys are going to be doing a lot of running. So you might see De Bruyne start at striker just so they could kind of maximize his offensive output without making him have to do the hard yards, and then have Grealish and Sterling out wide, and then you know some variation of Gundogan, Fernandinho, and you know, another one of their midfielders, Rodri, maybe to slot in there. He's going to play a DM. There's no way he'll make that same mistake twice. Um, yeah, Andres, I'm, I'm with you. I think I think it's going to be 1-1. Um, it'll be a close match. But honestly, at this point in the season, that's a plus. Um, so, yeah, um, until <laughs> next episode. I mean, that, that kind of wraps everything up, unless you have anything else to add, Andres. Uh, I didn't get to say anything on the Christensen thing. I think he's now surprisingly the defender that's going to be leaving and Rudiger mm-hmm. will end up staying. Uh, hey, if you had to ask me to keep one and sell one, <laughs> that's exactly what I would do. Um, I, for his sake, I also hope he ends up in the Bundesliga. Uh, he well knows there. how to play there. I don't yeah. know about La Liga. If Barcelona is the been his nightmare and thorn on his side and that's a spanish team i can't imagine what happens if he keeps playing against spanish teams i think he'll do well in spain i think the problem is barcelona just being at barcelona it it either makes you as a player or it just completely kills you um yeah so shout out to uh, felipe coutinho for that anyways um that does kind of bring us to the end of the episode here so Next week, we will be dropping a new one. Make sure you guys are, you know, staying active on Twitter. Our Twitter handles at Romans Empire Pod. Um, it is official. Andres officially has access to the account now. So you can stop blaming me for being inactive. If we're less active, you could start blaming, putting a little bit of the blame on Andres, at least. Not all of it, just a little bit. Um, but yeah, make sure you're following us on Twitter. We've been pretty active as of late. We always post a questions tweet at the end of every game. We post a, a poll that usually gets spoken about in our next pod. So make sure you guys are always checking that out. And until next pod, 
keep the blue flag flying high.